Hello and welcome in. It's Wednesday morning. Thanks for joining us for the latest edition of the Prairie in Smith podcast. August is officially here. Sunbelt football is going to begin shortly. We'll get to today's episode in just a moment. But before we do, we wanted to remind you to go back and listen to our last episode, the first in our season preview series. We spoke with Troy head coach John Summerall about the upcoming season for the Troy Trojans. If you haven't already, you're going to want to make time to give it a quick listen. Today on episode 96 of the show, we're excited to be continuing that season preview series. This time with Coastal Carolina, Shauna Clear's head coach, Tim Beck. The Shots, Caden, are going to enter the 2023 season coming off a Sunbelt Championship game appearance and a bowl game, uh, albeit though under former head coach Jamie Chadwell. Caden, Coastal Carolina is by far one of the most interesting teams heading into 2023. They've got most of their offense back, but they'll be rebuilding on defense. It's a new coaching staff, including a first-time head coach. Caden, are you expecting to see a drop-off from Coastal Carolina this fall? I'm not expecting to see a drop-off. I think out of all of the teams a new coach could have possibly inherited in this conference, this is one of the top ones you would pick. And I think Tim Beck, given his pedigree and what he's shown as far as his track record, at least what he can do on the offensive side of the ball minimum. We've talked about him. I think we both know and fell that the, the players can get behind him. He's the kind of head coach that'll just assume that role and has already assumed that role and has already kind of tried to bring his own culture plus keep some of the elements of their old championship culture alive. And I think he'll be able to do that. So I wouldn't expect to see a step back from this team. When you bring back a player like Grayson McCall and the defense, granted, they did struggle last season, but the fact that they were still able to reach the heights they were able to reach with that defensive struggling, you you can't help but assume this team is at least going to be at the same level as far as competing week in and week out like they did last season. And if they can keep doing that and put some games together, they could very well see themselves back at that conference championship game like you kind of predicted heading into the season. Yeah, Kane, I feel like that is a, a fair assessment. Well, as promised, we're talking Coastal Carolina. We're talking with the man, Tim Beck. Let's not waste any more time. It's time to talk with head coach Tim Beck. Talking some Coastal Carolina. Tim, how you doing today? Doing great. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great, Tim. And, uh, you know, let's jump right in and just talk about summer. You guys have had camps. You've been recruiting. I'm sure you've thrown a few beach trips in there, maybe a golf outing. How's the summer been for Tim Beck? It's been busy. I can tell you that for sure. Um, you know, I, my, my goal was to, to play golf. Uh, I hit two shots. Lightning came, called us in. That's it. I played two shots so far this <laughs> summer. Um, you know, I, I got through about a chapter in a book. I wanted to read a book. I got through about a chapter. It's just been busy, um, you know, just getting ready. And, and you know, just constant, there's constant change and just stuff you're you're getting acclimated to and things you got to do. So, um, you know, I'm almost excited to get back to football for a little bit of normalcy, believe it or not. The season's definitely a year-long thing. It doesn't end. There's no off-season for guys like you, but you're taking over a program that has high expectations. We talked about that a little bit last time. We talked three straight bowl appearances, three straight nine-plus win seasons. What are your expectations for your team this fall? Uh, you know, um, you know, the biggest thing for us right now, we're trying to do, um, is just get continue to get better. Right in in areas that are going to help us. You know, our, our we got a lot of veteran players. We're a very old group. They know how to win, um, and they've won uh, to to a degree, right? We we want championships, right? We want to have an opportunity, maybe be one of the 
the team to go to that group of six. So our goal is to continue to improve and get better. So if we can improve and get better on the last couple of seasons and and playing for championships and have an opportunity to win championships and maybe further along. So that's kind of the, the goal at the end of the season. Um, you try not to put a win value on it. You try not to put a, a bowl game on it. Uh, you just want to get better, right? And so uh, I've been I've been pleased where we're at in our work ethic. So hopefully I'm, I'm excited to get out there and just see the the uh, change, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously fall camp is right around the corner, but uh, one of the things that is exciting to start the season, you guys are playing UCLA in the historic Rose Bowl. Really, it's kind of a historic moment for this program, and you're going to be playing your first Pac-12 opponent. Put into words what that says about the current state of Coastal Carolina football. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an exciting time. I think everybody in Myrtle Beach and Conway are really excited um, about that opportunity. What a what an unbelievable tradition. What an unbelievable uh, place to go play and, and uh, start your coaching career, really. But um, more than anything else, it's it's game one, right? We can't we can't put too much on it. There's a long season. Our goal is to get better every single game and every single week. So, um, but to say that our guys haven't haven't worked hard and are excited about that opportunity to go do that and hopefully um, continue to success that we've had against um, you know Power Five programs to be able to continue to do that and just you know advance and just continue to advance our program that that who knows you know we all know where the state of college football is right now who knows in two or three years how conferences are going to realign and where you're going to shape and this is just kind of maybe a stepping stone for us definitely i know playing in the sun belt you always remember those far trips those west coast trips so i know it's a very exciting time for your team but when we talked back in april tim you told us grayson mccall was healthy he was having a great spring he's the three-time sun belt player of the year he's kind of made that gold standard as far as playing Group of five quarterback, the cream of the crop. As you look ahead into the next season, how could he further elevate that ceiling that already seems so high? Well, obviously, he's got to stay healthy. And that's a big key for us. And I love his uh, offseason. You know, he's weighing probably about 220 right now. And he was about, I don't know, he's probably about 208, 205, you know, 210 maybe, um, give or take. But he's been pretty consistent with that. So he's put on some mass, which, which allows him to take some hits if he needs to. Um, that's the biggest thing for him. And he's just got to continue to learn our offense um, and play like he's played, to be honest. I mean, he's made great decisions with the football. He's led this football team. He's a playmaker. He's a human eraser back there. Um, the The worst thing I can do is overcoach that and then, and then make him uh, not allow him to go out there and do the things that he's really good at doing. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting perspective stepping in uh, with a guy who has played as well as he has over the last couple of years, not to overcoach, just allow him to kind of get acclimated to that system. Um, another big thing for him is he's going to be throwing to what is arguably the best wide receiver room in this conference. You look at guys like Sam Pinckney and Jared Brown, a guy like Tyson Mobley. Um, as you've watched that group through spring practice, summer workouts, what has stood out to you most about that three-headed monster of wide receivers? Yeah, again, the improvement, just the strength gains of our guys and the weight gains of our guys. You're still moving well, running well, um, just muscular, stronger. Um, you know, and that was an emphasis for us. You know, we got to, it's a long season. We got to be able to endure, you know, the last few years, the last couple of games um, haven't gone the way we wanted them to go. And, and some of it's injury uh, depth, some of it's, 
um, you know, and we all know you, you get injured through a long season. So you got to really build in the off season for the longevity of the season. And so I really like what those guys have done and watching them run around and move for it. They still, they're doing a great job. Sam's running. I think he's gotten faster. Like I'm um, really, really excited about that group. You know, talking to, you keep mentioning just some of these guys getting bigger and in the weight room. Has there been kind of a, a change inside this program, maybe further emphasizing that this off season? Is that something that you've brought to the table? Well, it was one thing I really felt like we needed to become bigger and stronger. Um, and, you know, um, our guys can run, they're fast and they're athletic. Um, I mean, so we just try to emphasize guys. And it's not like guys are going from, you know, it's not like they're going from 210 to 250. Like, don't get me wrong. Right? We're, we're just putting on good, good, solid weight. And I'm getting a chance to see that, right? So when I got here at the end of the season in December, we kind of saw them. And then you kind of go through a little bit of an off season, but not much because you're getting ready for spring ball and you're trying to learn the guys. Well, now you know them, you know who's, um, what, how they play, who they are. And so our, our emphasis was let, let's get these guys strong. Um, let's get a little bigger and uh, keep moving them pretty well. So I like, I like where we're at. We had a great, uh, you know, just great summer. I think really our teams had a really good summer. Now, it's definitely satisfying seeing those off-season gains, and it just builds up for the anticipation for this season for sure. But flipping sides of the ball a little bit, it's no secret that this defense last year held this team back a little bit. You bring in Craig Navarre to run this unit. What changes has he implemented? Have you implemented? How are we kind of switching things up as far as maybe the teaching and the philosophies? Where we, and where could we expect to see some improvement in that unit this year? Yeah, and like we talked in the spring, you know, we, we really emphasize a lot of, you know, just – running the ball, tackling, and creating turnovers, right? That'd be a good tackling team. We've had a lot of new players defensively. You know, that's one thing that more so on defense than on offense. And not only in the not only in the spring, but in the summer. I mean, quite an quite influx of guys coming in the summer. So it'll be an interesting uh, uh, camp. <laughs> it'll be an interesting camp. There's, there might be – there might be four or five guys playing for us that weren't even here in spring. So, um, but, but it's been good. I mean, I think what coach Niver's doing and what our players are doing, they've grasped, they got, they got a chance to go through it in spring. Um, you know, they, they, it's easier for them to pick up things up. Um, it's an aggressive style. So, um, and it's, and it's very unique. So, you know, I've, I've got a lot of faith in Craig and our staff and, but, but again, football is football, right? It's blocking, catching, tackling, running. You know, it's just simple things, doing them really well. And, and that's what we got to do. We got to be. We got big, strong, fast, and do little things well. Given, you know, what you mentioned, too, with just the number of new players uh, on this roster, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, is there anything that Coastal Carolina fans should be watching out for in terms of position battles this fall? All of them, except one. <laughs> <laughs> I tell guys all the time, right? There's only one guy I can tell you that's starting this year. Like that's it. But um, yeah, really. I mean, I, I think that uh, um, there's a lot of battles. We've we've created a lot of depth um, competition. That's why I'm excited about. It. We, we've got some veteran players here that have played a lot of games up front on the offense and defensive lines and corner position, and and but we brought in guys. And so we brought in guys that have played college football games 
And so the competition is going to be uh, much higher. Um, and so, you know, that brings out the best in you. And so at the end of the day, we'll play the best guys, but I feel really good about with everybody pushing each other. And so our uh, production, uh, execution technique is going to get better uh, because of that. And, and that, you know, that was part of the recruiting goal. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when you look at the defensive side of the football, I think we all kind of expect to see guys like JT Killen and Shane Bruce kind of anchor that linebacking core. Uh, that was, you know, a younger group last year. I think this year it's going to be a strength. What have you seen from those guys and maybe their leadership on that defense, a defense that is seeking some of that leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Like those two guys are veteran players and they played a lot, a lot of games and, and understand the system. But you know, Trey Brown had a great spring. I mean, he went from 255, he's down about 240, can run. Um, White Gideon came in. Mason Shelton had a great spring, you know. Trey Pinckney. And so all of a sudden, you got some guys you can throw in there, too. And again, it helps that longevity, right? It keeps guys hungry. It keeps them fresh. It keeps them having to compete in battle, right? They can't sit back and say, hey, look, I'm, I'm – JT killing I'm, I'm going to start now. Like you gotta, you gotta come to work now because there's guys that are hungry behind you wanting to play. And so they've done a great job because they've uh, realized the competition. They've, they've risen to that level to battle it. And so it's really helped all those guys, the Matthew McDooms and Jacob Prochets, the Tobias Fletchers. Cause when you start bringing in, Keontae Lusk and Courtney Eubanks and Keontae Jenkins and Clayton Isbell and you start bringing all the Avante Jones, uh, Avion Jones and and uh, uh, Juwan Powell. You have all those guys coming in. They're seeing how JT and Shane are handling all this. They do the same and they're just working hard and they're they're all you know working together. So that part's been really positive. I mean, I think our, our guys are still very close and very tight and they're learning from each other. Uh, it definitely makes sense just for that position being kind of a position of strength for this team for a while now. But we've got to ask about Michael Mason. I've been high on him. He was very accomplished at the FCS level, very productive. Now that you've gotten a good look at him throughout spring practice and during these offseason workouts, what are your takeaways from his game and what should, what should fan ex- fans expect maybe to see from him? Yeah, a strong player. I mean, he's, he plays really hard, great technique, strong. He could play in. He could play tackle. I mean, if we had to throw him inside, he, he can do that type of stuff. So he's a multidimensional player for us. And, you know, you're going to see that with some of our guys on the line, right? Like Alan Henry and Kennedy Roberts. They could be inside guys. We can move them out. Manny Johnson's back from from injury and doing doing really well. And and then, you know, we, get, we got some guys that came in, right? Will Whitson and Demetrius Watson and and uh, Will Rogers, you know, we, we got some transfers and some guys that have come in at that position to help us inside as well or end, you know, either one of those those spots. So we've created a lot of depth in there. And and so, again, that competition level now, everybody's battling for playing time. You know, coach, obviously, uh, and we'll end with this, but offseason workouts are obviously in the rearview mirror. Fall camp's about to get underway uh, a lot of new faces on this roster. So maybe who's a player on offense? Who's a player on defense that maybe fans aren't as familiar with that you're going to tell us here is going to have a big season this year? Good question. Offensively, hard to tell. Um, you know, 
because most of a lot of guys have played a lot of football offensively, right? That receiving group, the running back group, the skill guys, right? O-line is O-line. Nobody ever getting him any recognition, right? So it's hard to say. Um, but I like where we're at there. But I'm just saying, like, nobody's going to go, wow, look at that card, man. He's doing awesome, right? And we play that. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe tight end. You know, we got Kendall Carr. And, and we ended up getting, uh, you know, Matt Alamo from, from Rutgers and Zach Courtney from Colorado. And, you know, maybe one of those guys in that position, you know, could be be something Kane Barone, you know, we, we, we have Kane. And so like, there, there's some guys in that position that maybe, um, will still stand out that people don't know a whole lot about. Cause they're all guys that weren't here last year. Yeah. How about on the defensive side of the football? Yeah. Defensively. Whew, I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell a lot. right now. There's, there's so many of them. Yeah. There's so many of them that, that are going to be battling for, for playing time. Um, you know, or starting positions, it's really hard to tell um, who those guys can be. I mean, there, there could be there could be none new starters, or there could be eight new starters. Uh, it's hard to tell. You know, in terms of where we left spring, it's all going to predicate on the you know the competition. But I'm pleased just because even guys we had injured, we lost in spring or lost towards the end of the last season and didn't participate in spring are back moving well, doing Dre Pinkney and Jamar Brown. And like I said, Manny Johnson, like we had, we had guys who went through spring that weren't practicing and, and, and now are going through everything. You get a chance to see him move. And obviously, you know, Jamar and Dre are deep defensive backs. It was an area, you know, we needed some help with, but I like, I like where we're at. I like our team. I like where we're at right now. Well, Coach, you're certainly in prime talking season form. We're excited to uh, get this football season underway shortly. So, again, we always appreciate you coming on the show and uh, look forward to watching some Coastal Carolina football this fall. Okay, guys. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one. Dane, I got to admit, every time we talk with Tim Beck, I come away realizing how smooth of an operator he is. The only critique that I could give is he only got two holes of golf in this summer. And for a guy who likes to golf, it does not feel like that was enough. No, I think Tim's been living his best life, man. I love hearing him talk about how he loves being by the beach, being just the vibes of the coastal. He seems like a coastal guy. He seems like he's enjoying himself this offseason and really enjoying getting the most out of his team during the offseason as well. Okay, and I also love, uh, it wasn't on this episode, but probably the quote of Media Days, he ended Media Days by getting up and saying that unlike most teams in the Sun Belt, he knew who his starting quarterback was going to be in week one. Caden, uh, he feels really good about this coastal offense. I think we're still waiting to see what that is going to look like, but as we're starting to read the tea leaves a little bit, it looks like Grayson McCall's probably not going to be running as much. Expect to see more of a pass-heavy offense and then really utilizing those running backs in that, you know, more historical running back role. Yeah, I talked about it, and I think this team, again, has a ton of parrot balls to the 2019 Appalachian State team that I was on. He's getting a great offensive mind like Tim Beck is getting handed the keys of a Ferrari. Like, he's getting all of the weapons he'd want. He has elements of an old offensive system that he can use if he wants to keep his players a little bit more comfortable from time to time, but can also push the limits and present them new schemes and new ideas to keep the defense on their toes. Just a scary unit overall to play. I think when you give the offensive mind of Tim Beck this many weapons at his disposal, we'll get into all of them. But the main weapon, obviously, being Grayson McCall, the engine of the offense, who, as you mentioned, is feeling better than he's ever felt. Apparently, I'd be a scared defense to play this team because 
like the old film's not going to work. This is a team that already gave you struggles, and now heading into the season, you have no old film to watch because they're running a the new defensive scheme. So I predicted it before in the previous episode, and I'll still stand on it. I think this has the potential to be the highest scoring offense given in the conference. They have some stuff to figure out, but I think the little things they have to figure out are just far, far heavily outweighed by the offensive mind, the weapons they have overall across the board. Caden, he spent some time during this interview talking about the changes that they made in their strength and conditioning program, talked about feeding these athletes better. Why is that so important? Why is that something that we should be paying attention to? I think throughout this episode, when we talk about different positions and different players, it's going to keep coming up, which will show how important it is. But across the board, I think it's like I mentioned with the 2019 App State team. Coach Drink came in and wanted to fix everything. He came from a Power 5 program, so it was his goal to make everything better from nutrition, strength, even the body wash we were using in the locker room. This sounds ridiculous, but I think Tim Beck kind of has that same mindset and all started with the strength and conditioning staff, hiring his guy from Ohio State, having all of his players feeling bigger, feeling faster, feeling stronger. It's only going to give a team that was in the conference championship last year more confidence if they're bringing guys back who are now feeling better very scary, I think. I think as far as a confidence thing, I think that's probably going to be the biggest key for this team. If Grayson's feeling bigger at the tip of, as the tip of the spear of the offense, he's going to feel better. It's going to be contagious to probably a guy like Jared Brown, who was productive in his freshman season, now probably has put on more weight and more size and speed as well going into a sophomore. I think it only benefits all of the key players from last season who will come back and probably up their production just based on their size. And we talked about it as well at Media Days as well. Tim Beck wants his team to be able to last in the fourth quarters and at the end of the season. Same with Grayson McCall. He mentioned that they might have lost steam at the end of the season because of their health. If they're a bigger, sturdier group, once we get to November and December when they're playing their most important football, we can count on them being more durable, less injury prone, and more ready for those moments. Kane, you can't say something on the podcast like a coach coming in and changing body wash and then the team going on to win a conference championship without expecting me to ask, what was the change at body wash? And I'm always looking to improve my game. Where did App State go in 2019? All I'll, all I'll say is this: I want to throw any shade, but there was there was a time in the in the in the App State showers where it was pretty much hand soap was be, it was the the main option as far as body wash, glorified hand soap. A lot of guys were bringing in their own stuff, and those days were over once we just had. I think it was called Mountaineer Wash. That's what it said on there. It was just basic body wash, but it was definitely a big upgrade from the option of using the the generic pink hand soap. That's for sure. Hey, that's the last time I will ask you about the App State showers. Uh, Caden, as <laughs> everyone knows, Coastal Carolina finished last season with a third consecutive nine-plus win season, albeit it ended in a disappointing manner. You lose three straight games to end the year. You lose to Troy in the Sunbelt title game, to East Carolina in the Birmingham Bowl, and everyone remembers that loss uh, to James Madison to end the regular season. Caden, they finished 9-4, and 6-2 and two in Sunbelt play last year. The coaches poll has them slotted as the third best team in the Sunbelt East Division heading into 2023. That number three ranking, though, Caden, in my mind, seems a bit low for the Sean and Clear simply because of how much firepower they're returning on offense. It definitely seems low, especially when you just kind of when you look at what Troy and Coastal Carolina, the two teams that were both in the conference championship last year, what they lost and what they gained. It's really hard to picture any teams other than those two being the favorites out of the East and West. So the Coastal Carolina one definitely surprised me. As we mentioned before, it's a very tight race as far as the points for that. But I think it more so shows that the coaches in this conference maybe prioritize continuity in the coaching staff and defensive strength versus the quarterback and the offensive strength that we're expecting from this team. So maybe they think they'll be able to take a step back in areas that might be exploited, like if the defense is bad again, like if the secondary and the front seven, if those units don't come through, maybe teams and coaches feel like they could exploit that possibly in the Sunbelt East especially. But I think 
it, it, it did seem a little crazy. I, we asked Grace and some of the guys if they felt slighted about it. They're not too worried about that right now. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of new faces in this team. There are a lot of fresh faces that will have to step up. And I think that is a big determining factor as far as can they reach that championship level of success again. Kane, you mentioned Grayson McCall, and it feels like every conversation about this Coastal Carolina team starts with Grayson McCall. Uh, So we're going to continue that trend. Why not? He's back for another season. He's won three Sunbelt Player of the Year honors. Caden, we talked to him at Media Day. He's healthy. We saw him at Media Day. He's much bigger. He's looking like a linebacker instead of a quarterback. He wears the same size suit now as JT Killen. Caden, he'll probably run less and show off his arm more this season in Tim Beck's offensive season. Should we just take it to the bank that he's going to be the conference player of the year for the fourth time? So I think as far as like being a betting man, and if I had to bet on this, I would probably stay away just because those three seasons he put together were all in the same offensive scheme. So naturally you have to feel that if he was in this same offensive scheme again under Jamie Chadwell, it would just be the recipe for success repeating itself again for a fourth time. So I think because of that, I wouldn't be too, too bullish as far as making him my conference player of the year lock. But I do think there are a lot of factors that could make that happen. The first being, like we've mentioned many a times now at this point, his health, him feeling the best he has in his career, having the body type now that can maybe sustain some more hits. I feel like every season he has an ankle or a foot injury that's forced him to lose some time. Maybe he'll hold up better now because he's taking better care of his diet and is sturdy. He will be in the pocket more, like we mentioned, running a lot less. It's really about the new offense and can he learn this scheme as well as the last. He said it's coming to him. He said he's starting to grasp it with Coach Beck and Coach Coach Trickett. I would imagine that there's still going to be elements from last year's offense and the past offenses that if they can always lean on if he maybe is having some struggles early on in the season. But I think when you look at their schedule, Hoping to see this new offense click against UCLA, but if it does not, they have games against Jacksonville State and Duquesne that he could probably catch his rhythm in as well. But I think if he is capable of learning this offense the same way he knew last year's offense and the years prior, I think he has conference player written all over him. I think this offensive system may allow him to even elevate his game more, some of his elements of his past game even more and have better stats, better numbers, and be more productive. We just haven't seen that yet, and we've seen him do it under the same blueprint over and over and over again. The question is, can he get this new blueprint, learn it like the back of his hand, like he's done so well and translate that? I would bet that he's going to do that, but doing that at the level he's done in the past is almost kind of hard to predict and kind of hard to forecast if he can do it again. But very excited about him in this new system, being able to display some of those tighter window throws, running less and being more effective in the pocket. Hey, if you listen to Friday's episode, we talked with Grayson McCall on that episode for about seven minutes at Media Day. Caden, we ended with the question about legacy. His name certainly secured uh, in the record books for Coastal Carolina. Now he uh, is working on that legacy as he looks to round out his Sean Clear's career. Caden, staying on the offense, the rest of the offense should be looking really good as well, but especially that wide receiver room. You've got Sam Pinckney back, Jared Brown, both all-conference type guys. You've also got Tyson Mobley. That grouping, Caden, accounted for over 2,000 yards in 2022. You heard from Tim Beck in this interview. He's very high on this group, Caden, on paper heading into the season. It looks like this group should be a top two or three unit in the Sun Belt this year. Yeah, I have no worries at all about this group. I love the rookie and the vet duo inside and outside of Pinckney and Brown. I think that they're going to be one of the more dynamic duos in the conference. I imagine that 
Jared Brown's going to be used a ton, maybe even utilized more this season than he was last year in Jamie Chabwell's offense. I think Tim Beck's going to have a big emphasis on doing everything he can to get him the ball in space as much as possible after that breakout season. I wouldn't be surprised if we're seeing him on gadget sweep plays like we did last year. And he's obviously not going to be probably as much of a part of the option game, but this is a guy who's absolutely dynamic with the ball in his hands. And when you pair that with a guy like Sam Pinckney on the outside, who's a big veteran target, who's proven he can catch 50-50 balls. He has the full route tree to his disposal and he can take the top off of the offense or the defense rather. I think it's going to be very hard to stop this unit. I think Tyson Mobley returning again as a Sunbelt All-Conference honorable mention last year is very slept on. He's a veteran senior target that's actually Grayson's most familiar target. Jared Brown was a guy who joined the team last year. Same with Sam Pinckney. This is a guy who's been catching balls from Grayson McCall for quite some time. Now, I think that trio as a whole in this off, new offensive system will be very scary and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Pinkney and Brown's names maybe in the top 10 receiver department heading into the season as we get throughout the football season next year. Hey overall Caden you've got to feel good about this entirety of the offense heading into this year you've got Grayson back you've got four running backs back you've got your top three wide receivers three starting O-linemen Caden, when you look at this offense a season ago, they did take a step back over 20 or only 29 points per game, albeit that was a drop off from the 41 points a game in 21, 37 points a game in 2020. Both of those ended as 11 win seasons. Caden, do you think this offense can get back to 2020-21 levels of production this season? I definitely will, just especially when you look at the upside of the two units we talked about, which is pretty much Grayson McCall at quarterback and the wide receivers, and the upside of the offensive line in the running back room as well. We talked about it, and you mentioned it, four running backs back. This is a deep, deep room that returns all their usual suspects. Beasley's the guy that kind of emerges the healthiest guy and the go-to guy in the room last year, the Myrtle Hurdler, who had a great year. Brandon Bennett and Reese White now return after having proven production and just had to battle a ton of injuries last season. They both come back healthy, I think. This unit's probably not getting talked about enough. We obviously rank the running backs individually. None of these guys made the cup. And I think as a collective, they might be the strongest unit in the conference. The question I think is going to be the most interesting thing to see with them is who is going to emerge as their go-to guy in this new Tim Beck offense. Are they going to want to every down back like Beasley proved he can do last year? Do they want a speedy guy like Bennett? Or do they want maybe a better pass catcher like White? It's going to be very interesting to see how they use this running back position, but they have a ton of options. And then in front of them, blocking for them, I'm not worried at all because this is a team that returns three starters on the offensive line from last season who will get better because these are three starters that it was their first year starting last season. So now they, now they come with a new level of confidence, a new level of experience. And this is this offensive scheme, not to get football nerd corner over here, but this offensive scheme is going to be a lot easier for this offensive line. This old offensive scheme put a lot of responsibility on the offensive line as far as a variety of different run plays, assignments, having to block in space, especially I think this new system is going to be a lot easier for these guys to learn. Tim Beck said they're already picking up the new system. So I think the guys who are experienced on this line will probably have an easier task than they did last year. And given all the weapons that's surrounding them, it's hard to bet against this team being a top, top scoring offense, getting back to that old production, that old scoring level that we saw in the past. Caden, just uh, to be honest, our listeners love when you go to football nerd corner. So uh, feel free to do that uh, whenever you want. The other thing we didn't mention as well, Kendall Carr, the transfer from North Carolina at tight end. Uh, expect to see the tight ends maybe involved a little bit more in the passing game uh, than what we've seen uh, from Coastal Carolina last year since Isaiah likely um, departed. Caden, switching sides, talking defense. Uh, let's start with a unit that I'm not worried about at all, and that's the linebacking core. We saw JT Killen at media days. He said he was in the best shape of his life. 
You've also got Shane Bruce back at the position. Plus, you get Trey Pinckney back from injury. And Coach Beck signaled that this unit is going to be much deeper this season, that those starting guys are going to be pushed this year. I'm expecting this unit to be the best defensive grouping in 2023. Caden, are you? Yeah, there's not much to say about this unit. The veterans, JT Killen and Bruce coming back, holding it down in the middle. They were super productive last year, flying around, knocking stuff down when this team needed. And I think they had very big shoes to fill, which is not talked about enough. The two linebackers that were in front of them that played for many years in front of them were guys that were regarded as some of the best in their school's history. These are guys that helped and were a big part as far as leadership and production of taking this team to the new heights they were able to attain the last four years. So I think them being able to come into that role and assume that role with confidence and do well, huge great sign for the defensive culture of this team. And it is nice to hear that they're getting pushed with the guys behind them, like a Trey Brown, who Tim Beck said was having a great spring and had seemed like one of the 10, 15, 20 guys that we're hearing about that could be a contributor to this team that has a new body that they're in with some new size and speed to them. Wyatt Gideon and Mason Shelton as well are some names that Coach Beck is excited about. And I think JT Killen and Shane Bruce getting pushed from behind can only make the ceiling of this unit go up higher. And it also gives me confidence as well as maybe if an injury, God forbid, hurts any of these guys, they're going to have some solid depth behind them, maybe on third down, be able to get some of these guys in there as well. So as far as position groups of this entire team, outside of the quarterback position, which is the gold standard, the linebacking position is probably the second one that no one should have any concerns about heading into the year. Yeah, I think that depth comment you just made is interesting as well. We did hear, uh, you know, multiple guys at Sunbelt Media Day talking just about Coastal's depth. It'll be better this year and maybe being able to weather some late season injuries that we've seen the shots maybe pick up over the last couple of years. Caden, the defensive line and the back end of this defense, though, are different stories. Up front, we mentioned earlier in this episode that you lose some stalwarts. You've lost Gerard Clark. You've lost Josiah Stewart, Braylon Ryan, Adrian Hope, just to name a few. At defensive back, you're down Lance Boykin. You're down to Jordan Strong, who were all conference players during their tenure. Both units, though, are stocked full of transfer players, many from the Power Five ranks. It was the secondary, though, Caden, that I want to focus on that let this team down last year, 284 yards per game through the air allowed. Are you expecting to see improvement from that unit this fall? It's really tough to say, and I think when Tim Beck was talking about this defense with us as a whole, he was talking about how it's an aggressive, it's a unique style, and across the board, they're bigger, faster, stronger, but they're a group that does need to improve, and they're a group that is unproven. It seems like it's an open competition, both up front and on the back end, and I think during camp, you just have to hope that the competition brings the best out of this unit, but as far as that defensive backfield, you have to be concerned. This is a unit that lost two conference caliber players, like you mentioned, and they still were not great last year. I'm worried about it. They're in the same position as the defensive line, I feel like, as far as having to replace production, except for I'm more concerned because of the nature of the position and concerned because this unit wasn't great last year with talent. I think that when you lose those starters and you have an open competition in camp, the DB who plays the best during camp is going to come out with his job. I don't think that necessarily means it's going to be the best DB in that spot, but whoever can play best against these great wide receivers during camp is going to earn those starting spots. I think they have some safeties that have some experience under their belt, but there are some newer faces. But I think as far as having to replace the defensive line versus the secondary, I'd be concerned just because this is a position with more space. There's more there. And I think as far as getting their four guys out there that are their best guys is going to be important. They have guys like Jamar Brown, Dre Pickney, Matthew McDoom, who are going to have to step up. But I think the biggest thing for that defensive backfield is going to be, can they have depth? I think that 
if the guys say, say we have a couple cornerbacks that go out there and produce very well during the back end of camp, show that they're locked down, but then during the season, maybe get exposed by some different looks and some different talent that's in front of them. Can you have reserve safeties? Can you have reserve corners come in there and be able to fill those spots? I'm not really worried about this day one roster as far as the defensive backfield. I'm more so worried about do they have the depth and can they prove that they can be better than last year? Can they maybe get some help from their linebackers as far as underneath coverage? As far as the defensive line goes, though, I'm a little bit less worried because it's just more of a point of compact. There's more a point of emphasis as far as being physical, and I like kind of the bodies and athleticism. I think that's going to be nicer to this team as far as transitioning with some new faces, but speed and athleticism and stuff, that that doesn't win you in the defensive backfield. The brains and knowing the system does, so hopefully Craig Niver can get the defensive backs up to speed and they can play fast, play confident, and improve from last season, but I am concerned. Well, based on how many times you said the word depth in the last two minutes, uh, I have to imagine that's going to be a huge storyline for this team heading into 2023. Caden, as we've been preparing for these preview episodes, it's been really interesting to look at special teams, and I've got a stat for you here. In the previous four years, Coastal Carolina has been a top 80 unit. Uh, Their lowest ranking was at number 77 in 2019. In 2021, they improved all the way to the 10th best team in the country in special teams, but last year they dropped down to number 83. This year, you're bringing back kicker, punter, and now an experienced return man in Matthew McDoom. It's flown under the radar because of the defensive struggles last year, but that special teams wasn't nearly as good either. I feel like this is another big area that this team can improve in this season. They definitely can, and I feel like this maybe not the most important, but a very important part of when you talked about how important is it that this team is bigger, faster, stronger. Special teams is definitely a big part of that. When we talked to JT Killen, he kept saying how good they looked, especially their defensive players, how their players look. They look the part. The question is, can they be the part? Well, on special teams, if you look the part and you come with the right mentality, you can be extremely effective. If this is going to be a unit that's the backup reserve defensive players who have been working very hard this offseason that are probably a lot stronger and a lot faster that are going to be running down their coverage units. When I hear that, okay, this team is really big, really fast, really strong, as someone who's played on special teams for a majority of his career, I'd be super worried to go up against a team that maybe had some guys that are going to be looking like some Greek gods running down on kickoff, running down on punt. So I think this is a unit that can improve, and it's going to really really be about the mindset. Can, Can this unit get to a championship level of special teams player? It sounds like they look like champions. They walk and talk like champions. Can they do it on special teams and kind of own that area? I think that can definitely elevate this group, give them some good momentum, give them some good field position throughout the season for sure. Hey, it's always an important time here to talk about Caden winning bowl MVP uh, for his special teams play early on in his career. Uh, Well, Caden, let's talk schedule. The over-under sits at eight for the Chanticleers. Outside of the week one showdown, though, with UCLA and California, Caden, Coastal Carolina, they've got a pretty easy road start to this or road to start the season, rather. You've got a chance to go three and one, perhaps four and oh, if you can beat UCLA out at the Rose Bowl. Week five is an interesting game, Caden, against Georgia Southern, a team that Coastal Carolina just got by last year thanks to the Myrtle Hurdle. Uh, really, that stretch, though, from late September through the middle October is their most challenging. They've got three straight road games. You go to App State, you go to Arkansas State, who are both coming off of their buys. Then you welcome Marshall to Conway, all in the span of four weeks. You get over by taking care of business in November, though, where you've got a chance to easily go three and one. You've got James Madison to end the season at home. But, Caden, much like Troy, Looking at this schedule, I do think it's a safe bet that barring some injuries, Coastal should go over that eight-win total. 
You'd like to think so, especially when you look at their non-conference schedule. But I do think the Sunbelt East is just so hard to kind of put a pulse on. And I think them having home games against Marshall, home games against James Madison will be big. But having to go on the road and back-to-back weeks to Statesboro, to Appalachian State, that's going to be hard for this team. I think if they are that championship-level caliber team, they're going to have to prove it early with those games against Georgia State and Georgia Southern, which are not slouches. But I do think they're going to give them their best shot early on in the season. And I do think that the order of their schedule matters. They will be able to get their feet, what I think, in the month of September. But this is going to be a close race in the East. I think that the biggest key for them is going to be late in the season, that defense holding up Drake Grayson McCall being able to hold up. We saw this team in the month of November kind of tail off as far as those injuries and Grayson missing games and that defense kind of losing control at the end of the season. I think my biggest question mark for this team is not can they get to eight wins, it's can they finish the season in that month of November? Can they take care of business in games they should win against Old Dominion and Texas State? But then when they go to Army and play that style of offense, can the defense hold up and then take that momentum into the last game of the season against James Madison and hopefully play that team a lot closer and a lot better than they did last season with a healthier roster. So the start of the season, I'm not as worried about. They're going to have some tough games as the conference on the east side is always going to present itself. The question is, can they finish the month of November? Can that weight room and all that effort they're putting in this summer kind of culminate for them to finish the season strong and maybe propel themselves yet again into the conference championship conversation? Hey, a lot of fascinating storylines surrounding the Shauna Clears down in Conway, South Carolina. They looked prime for another big season uh, in the Sunbelt East Division. Well, that will do it for our Coastal Carolina preview on the Frary and Smith podcast. A special thank you goes out to Coastal Carolina head coach Tim Beck, as well as to assistant AD Kevin Davis for helping make today's conversation possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with the next episode of the Frary and Smith podcast on Friday our preview series, Caden. I'm really excited about this one. It's going to be making a stop in Harrisonburg, Virginia, as we welcome King of the East, James Madison head coach, Kurt Signetti, to the show. You're really going to enjoy that conversation. One final thing, if you enjoyed today's episode, here's all we ask. Share this podcast with at least one of your friends. Help us help you by continuing to grow the show. So for Caden Smith, Richmond Weaver, and Brett Jemis, I'm Noah Freire. We really appreciate you spending some time with us today. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.